Yeah, a warm welcome to everyone who's here this morning. Happy New Year. <laughs> this version of a new year. Um, it's nice to be joining with all of you as we we do we begin a new year, a new set of teachings uh, at Sims. And this whole year will be a study of the paramis. And so we'll begin this month by, by really introducing the paramis, uh, these 10 uh, characteristics of the Buddha um, that, that are meant to be cultivated by those who are practicing. So today being the first day of the new year that we're meeting on Sundays, uh, we're going to do, we're going to have a slightly uh, different schedule from normal. So for those who, for those who are new and also those who have been here many times before, um, we will have uh, a slight, we'll, we'll begin, uh, Lyndall will begin by, by leading us through the refuges and the precepts. And then after that, uh, we'll we'll have uh, until 10:30 to do a meditation. So I'll I'll guide the meditation as normal after that. Then around 10:30 we'll have a talk, and that will last till around 11. And then from 11 to 11:30 there'll be time for uh, breakout groups and discussion uh, to see whatever comes up. And I'll end with some announcements and an offering of metta, as we usually do. So today, another thing I'll be doing a lot of today is sharing my screen, <laughs> uh, both, both for uh, the refuges and precepts that Lyndall is about to lead. Um, I wanted to share my screen so that uh, people can read along and see. Um, we'd ask you to remain muted during that. It, it can get pretty chaotic on Zoom if everyone's unmuted. Um, but uh, while you're muted, uh, you're welcome to, to chant along with Lyndall. And uh, read them. There'll, there'll be readings in Pali and also in English, and so you'll be able to see both. Uh, then, when Lyndall's done, um, I'll read our community statement and go on with the meditation. So, with that, um, I'm going to share my screen and pass it on to you, Lyndall. Okay. Thank you very much, R. Okay. Here we are, the refuges and precepts, and. Um, as I said, I will go ahead and chant. You can follow along. Some of you maybe know them in Pali already. Some of you may not. But it's a nice way to begin the new year, to sort of remind us of our commitment to practice. And I really enjoy them because it reminds me of being on retreat and getting up every morning in the dark for the very first set going into the hall and beginning the day by chanting the refuges and precepts. So I will go ahead just pretty much as the, in the order that they're shown on the screen here. And you can follow along with me as you are able to do and want to do. So let's begin. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samba sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samba sambuddhasa. 
Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sambhasambuddhasa Bunam samanam gachami damam samanam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Tudiyampi budam saranam gachami Tudiyampi damam saranam gachami Tudiyampi sangam saranam gachami Tariyampi budam saranam gachami Tariyampi dhammam saranam gachami Tariyampi sangam saranam gachami And now in English Homage to him, the Blessed One, the Worthy One, the Perfectly Enlightened One To the Buddha for refuge I go to the Dharma for refuge I go, to the Sangha for refuge I go. For the second time, to the Buddha for refuge I go. For the second time, to the Dhamma for refuge I go. For the second time, to the Sangha for refuge I go. For the third time, to the Buddha for refuge I go. For the third time, to the Dharma for refuge I go. For the third time, to the Sangha for refuge I go. And now we'll continue with the precepts, first in Pali. Panati pata we ramani sika padam samadhyami Adina dana we ramani sika param samariami kamesumi chachara we ramani sika param samariami musawara we ramani sika param samariami sora maria majapamara tana we Ramani Sikha Param Samariyami Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu And then in English I undertake to abstain from taking life. I undertake to abstain from taking the not given. I undertake to abstain from sexual misconduct. I undertake to obtain from false, abstain from false speech. I undertake to abstain from taking intoxicants. And I believe that is the sadhu sadhu is well spoken, well spoken. So those are the refuges and the precepts. Thank you, Lindell. Welcome. Yeah. Right. And just to mention, um, I'll say this again at the end, but tomorrow evening, 
is the refuges and precepts ceremony that uh, that Sims is that uh, I think Tim and maybe Tuari also will be hosting. Uh, yes, Sus thumbs ups that <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> evening. So if you want to hear and, from and Carrie Peterson will be there as well. Great, All great. three of our teachers. Wonderful. Yeah, so if you want to hear more about these um, and some interpretations of them uh, and some ways that we can take them in a modern context as well, I think they'll be talking a little bit about the refuges and precepts as well. Uh, so you can hear more about that tomorrow evening. So with that, I'll read our community statement to remind us that while we don't share the same physical space, we all sit together. Then I will ring the bell and begin our meditation. Actually, before I do that, I'm going to pause and grab my bell real quick. All right. As we enter this space, let us remember that we are entering a sacred space, space for being in the moment with whatever is present. We recognize our deep connection with one another, where each of us is welcome just as we are. Freeing our minds of greed, hatred, and delusion through this practice offers the opportunity for others to do the same and reduces ignorance and hatred in the world. It's with gratitude that we practice together. An invitation to begin this practice by settling the mind, settling the body, and adopting an intention to be present. You might acknowledge whatever we came in with this morning, whatever things from the past that might still be circling around in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies. And then we might put a little bit of energy into Focusing on what's here right at this moment.
what's in the body, what's the state of the mind, what's the state of the heart. an invitation to narrow the focus as we begin to just the breath. Just the physical feeling of breath entering through your nostrils. You might feel it coming down your throat. You might feel the expansion of chest and belly as you inhale. You might notice the moment when an inhale ends and an exhale slowly begins, gains speed, gains force. Chest and belly recede. Air is again felt coming out warmer through the throat, windpipes, nostrils. And the cycle repeats. You notice yourself drifting. An invitation to call again on a bit of energy, a bit of determination, 
to stay with the present, to stay with this bodily experience. And in your own time, gradually expand from the breath to an experience of the body. I often begin with this feeling of heaviness or this feeling of pressing into the seat underneath me. And move from there to all the sensations passing through the body both those that linger and those that feel more flighty, that appear and disappear from moment to moment. Sometimes I find it helpful to do a sort of roll call, to acknowledge each part of the body, both the ones that show up more obviously, the ones I'm used to being in touch with, and other parts like my knees that I'm less aware of. In this accounting or roll call, it can be helpful to invite a little bit of gratitude for these parts of us that serve us and help us through life, however imperfectly.
after turning inward, we can also turn outward. We can notice what surrounds us, what sounds are in the room, temperature of air, our interaction with our air through our breath. We may even acknowledge other beings that are in the house or in the area surrounding your home. Trees, animals, people. Noticing just your location among these things, your connection to these things. And if you get lost among these things, return to the body and breath, just as an anchor, just temporarily, with a bit of energy, a bit of determination, a resolve to pay attention and not become lost. We will inevitably drift and become lost. This intention is not meant as a rule, but as a gentle calling back. Gentle, but with energy, with resolve. And an invitation to turn your attention to 
the realm of the mind and the heart. Mental state, heart space. Again, this can be a kind of roll call, acknowledging what's here without getting carried away by the content. Perhaps seeing the mind as a sky and the thoughts as clouds, keeping the attention primarily on the sky. In the last minute or two, my invitation is to welcome everything, including anything that's been left out so far. Everything that's part of this moment. Anything left to fully arrive.
everyone and happy new year once again welcome to anyone who's joined recently we have a larger group than we normally do which may speak to something i want to talk about today which is how this is a moment perhaps for a bit more energy a bit more determination a bit more intention about how we want to show up in life maybe for this next year or maybe just in a more general way but before we dive into all of that, I wanted to open up the chat um, for, for just any, any wishes anyone wants to bring in, or, or actually really what I really, what I enjoy hearing is just a few words about uh, what's present for you right now. That way I and I think all of us can get a sense of what, what's in the room, what's in the virtual room with us. some of these. I won't be able to read all of them. Mind state is one of joy and gratitude. How wonderful. Feeling hopeful for less unnecessary suffering. Yes. I also, I really like the phrasing unnecessary suffering. I think that points to something. I mentioned energy, calm, slight aversiveness. There's a slight pushbacky feeling I sometimes get have a little bit of that. Grateful to be here from Southern California. Good morning and thanks for the refuges, precepts, and meditation. It's a peaceful snowstorm day here in Boston. Thank you for, for a perfect meditation, Arvid, reinforcing gratitude. I feel like gratitude. Yeah. Staying focused on the breath was a challenge this morning. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Thomas. I'm sure you're not alone. Good morning, reflection and gratitude. Happy New Year, hello. Busy and overwhelmed, but very happy to be here this morning. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that also. Yeah. Strong determination for equanimity with pain. Mm, yes. And so much more, so much more here. You can read on your own in the chat. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for bringing that into the room. I think it helps all of us and it helps us all connect. So today, as I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, we're beginning a new year in which we're focusing on the paramis. Uh, these 10 qualities of the Buddha, sometimes referred to as the perfections, um, though we're not really aiming for perfect. <laughs> these, are, these are maybe more intentions to, uh, to let into your life. And this being the beginning of the year, it's, it's a time when many of us are, you know, in the habit of looking back and reflecting over the past year and looking forward at how we want to show up, right, in the next year. And you might be in the frame for setting an intention for the year. 
And I also want to mention another thing. I, I was uh, over the New Year's holiday. I spent the weekend with some friends uh, in a cabin near Mount Rainier, and we we um, I mentioned that this is kind of what I was doing at least. You know, I was kind of looking back the past year and kind of looking forward when I was asked, you know, or are you thinking of the new year in any particular way? And someone in the group remarked like, oh, you know, I really don't want to set it, uh, intentions. And they said that, you know, they were pointing to evidence that, you know, people sometimes uh, have something like a new year's resolution and that very few of these get accomplished and that, you know, people can then get disappointed that they didn't accomplish these and abandon the projects. And so I, I want to acknowledge that there's a wisdom in, in what was said there. Uh, and also to, to maybe uh, add a little nuance or reframing. Uh, by intention, we're not setting a goal that a certain thing be perfect, right? Uh, by, you know, by month eight of this year, I will have perfect truthfulness. I will have perfect, you know, one thing or the other. It's really an aligning. It's an aligning of the direction you wish to move to with the direction you're actually moving in. So you're setting those two things together. So if there are things inside you that are speaking up, that you want to change or shift in your life, it can be seen as an opportunity to just move your actions, your thoughts, uh, in the direction that, that you're hoping to move in. So it's a little bit gentler than that idea that we have some goal that's measurable that we need to accomplish. And it also takes away this notion of failure, right? Uh, sometimes we set an intention. I, for many years, I set the intention of connection, increasing connection. And I would kind of check back in during the year and check back at the end of the year. And nothing had really changed <laughs> in the way that I perceived connection. But I think many years on that it really did have an impact on me. It just changed things very slowly over time in a way that required a lot of patience and a lot of trust uh, to really see. You know, sometimes the conscious mind and the things we're really aware of um, are just, they're just a small part of who we are. And they're just a small part of the team within us that's working on on, on shifting, right? So sometimes these things come occur in our unconscious and subconscious. Um, I kind of think of it like, you know, the rain falling into the ground and then manifesting much later as a stream, right? That's coming from groundwater. Anyway, I wanted to mention that at the beginning. Um, and I also want to offer that uh, we're going to introduce the paramis this month and I'm gonna introduce them today. And in introducing them, they're a great opportunity for this kind of reflection, this kind of intention setting that we're talking about. So as we go through the paramis today, um, there are going to be two questions that, you know, I invite you to ask yourself as we walk through them. One of those questions is, which of these are strengths for you? And the other question is, which of these are difficult for you? And I'm going to put up, so I'm going to share my screen for the majority of this talk, doing something a little different. Um, 
And as I share my screen, I'm going to repeat those questions at the beginning and talk just a little bit about what I mean. And I'll return to those questions at the end also. Can you see my screen? Give me a thumbs up if you can see a list of the paramis. Okay, great. Um, if you can't see these or you're on a small device or anything like that, it shouldn't be that important. Uh, these are kind of meant, I, I put these up because I, I'm a visual learner. I like to see things on a, I like to see things as, I, as they're being talked about. Um, but I, I'll be talking the whole time about what I'm saying. So it's okay if you can't see these or don't wish to look at the screen uh, as we're going through this. That's fine. So again, as we go through these, which are strengths for you? And I, and here, here's some reasons that that question might be salient. So focusing on your strengths is an opportunity to appreciate your good qualities on one level. And this fights an inherent tendency that we, we have to focus on what's negative, what's missing, right? So instead of looking at the paramis purely as a list of here are, you know, here's a list of things you ought to have but don't have, <laughs> Um, you know, what's missing in here for me? Focus, focusing on your strengths uh, can be a, an al a realignment to looking at what's good inside you. And also, in a very practical way, all of the paramis are connected to each other. And so even if there are things that you wish you, you want to develop more among these, the things that are strengths for you can be ways in. They can be your paths to other paramis. So that's another reason to focus on your strengths. You may want to start with the ones where you already have some ability, you feel some fluidity with those practices. And as you expand them, you can expand into the others. So the second question is, which of these are difficult for you? And these are ones you may want to keep in mind, maybe to set an intention to work on. You may approach those things directly and head on, you know, if patience is a challenge for you. You could, you know, focus your energy directly at the task of patience. Or when we set an intention, it can be a bit more subtle, too. We can just resolve that this is something that we wish to work on. And kind of, again, place a bit of trust that by setting that intention and setting it earnestly, you know, genuinely, we will start moving in that direction and not just the part of our conscious mind we have control over. But the, the rest of us, too, that we'll just start moving in this direction, and we may see these changes. We may see fruits born over time, maybe even slowly, maybe in several years. Okay, with that in mind, let's see if this works. Yay! Okay. So we're going to start with generosity. I'm just going to read very briefly a little bit about each of these. There's no time to do this in length. Um, and so you don't need to, don't, don't, my suggestion is don't approach this as a list to memorize. Um, you can take notes, but I wouldn't take fervent notes about all of these or write all of them down if I were you. My, my suggestion is to just go to these questions. What are strengths and what feel like challenges that are worth setting intentions about as I talk about these? And I'll just say a few words again about each of these just to kind of evoke the sense that's behind these words, right? Or maybe give a little spin on them. 
uh, that makes you think about these words differently from how they immediately approach your mind. So with generosity, I think we all know what this word means in general. But so I want to I want to challenge the notion of these words with something that uh, with a story. So there is a teacher of Advaita, which is a you know a Hindu-based tradition of non-duality. Uh, his his name was H. W. L. Punja, and he met with James Barras and Sylvia Borstein, uh, and declared there is no such thing as generosity. There is only the awareness of need and the natural impulse to address it. If you're hungry and your hand puts food in your mouth, you don't think of that hand as generous, do you? So there's something in here. I think there's there's something delightful and subtle here. In this, there's a there's a sense of connection, right? What if we saw the whole world and all the people within it as part of us or as part of the same organism? And giving was just as uncomplicated as having our hands put food in our own mouths, right? We don't think of that act as generous. You know, this is just, there's a need. We fill the need, right? Imagine having such an expanded sense of self that if you saw someone else in pain and you rushed to help them, it didn't feel like an act of generosity. It just felt like what to do, right? Imagine that state of generosity, right? Where we, where we give help, we, we feel other people's joys. We do that so naturally, you know? So I think that's what he was getting at when he said there's no such thing as generosity. Moving on to ethics. To ethics, this is sometimes also referred to as morality or virtue. Living an ethical life is what's referred to here. So as a prompt, what regrets do you have in your life? Several come to mind for me. And I note that for each of them I can think of, ethics a code to live by, a moment of pause before I took an action or said a thing would have helped. And in the absence of those regrets, what would I have? What would be different? What kind of life could I live? And also, how could I have differently created safety for others? How could I have taken care of those around me differently? This isn't to just dwell on regrets you have. You can appreciate the ethical qualities we have as well. But I mention this because sometimes it's a prompt. It's something real that we can all feel in our lives that can be a call for ethics. And it can be a call for feeling into just how how clear and simple life can be when it's ethical. If we live with ethics, there's a way that we live free of regret. We live free of uh, a lot of these difficulties. So the Buddha has one thing to say here. Well, he has plenty to say. (laughs) This is one. Uh, He asks the question, is what I am about to do for my own well-being 
and the benefit of all others. And this kind of reflection requires a pause. So I think with ethical behavior, an important factor is the pausing, the recognizing that we're about to make a choice that has ethics at its core. Before we act, taking that pause and then taking this moment to reflect. This doesn't happen to happen, this doesn't happen in every moment, but we can sense when we have one of those moments often where we're about to make a choice where ethics are important. All right. Renunciation. Okay. This, one way of thinking of renunciation is as something that flows naturally from generosity. And it's connected to generosity. So generosity is, you know, giving things that you have to others, giving of yourself. Renunciation is the willingness to shed or let go of what we have. Right? So in a way, it's a component of what's required to be fully generous. And just like that example I gave uh, with H.W.L. Uh, Punja saying there's no such thing as generosity, you know, in this perfected state of generosity where, uh, you know, we're really connected to everything. In the same way, renunciation flows out of a state where we don't identify all of our things with ourselves, right? We aren't in this space of scarcity and clinging to things that, you know, don't necessarily serve us. And we can freely shed. We can freely take things away from ourselves. And move. So it's, it's really a, it's an idea to move to words. What if we could live in such a way that we freely shed, we could freely shed the things we had. We could give them to others if needed, or we could just take away those things that don't serve us. And while we might associate renunciation with material goods, like, giving up candy for Lent or something like that, we can apply it equally to shedding the lives that don't serve us, parts of ourselves that need giving up. What if we could freely let go of those? Okay. Wisdom. Achieving a right understanding of life and the So wisdom, the word, is a very broad word. So I'm going to point at some specific things that are meant in this tradition and in this list. One is connected to this notion of emptiness and no self in Buddhism. It's seeing clearly, it's having the wisdom to see clearly that things are impermanent. That specific kind of wisdom about seeing clearly that things are impermanent and seeing that there's no separation between ourself and the rest of the world. So those two things, the impermanence and the lack of separation, seeing those things clearly. Wisdom flows again from renunciation, and you can kind of see that, right? We were talking a little bit about this lack of separation, uh, this lack of selfing and identifying, that allows us to renunciate, that allows us to shed things, right? And this wisdom, this is something that's often considered necessary for the cultivation of many of the other paramis, just to mention it. All right, moving on. 
energy. This is persistent effort and not being discouraged by failures. It's sometimes also translated as enthusiasm in practice. This is the energy needed to free ourselves from delusion and suffering. And the beginning of the year is sometimes an opportunity to, uh, to put some energy into our practice and set intentions, as evidenced by the larger than normal show up here. Some people are already starting the year with this kind of energy, right? We're putting a little bit of effort into things that we, we may think are valuable to us. It's that quality we're talking about. Patience. Ugh. For me, this can be subtle. If I have thoughts that are things like, this is not working for me, I don't connect with this, or this is painful. You know, sometimes what is actually needed in me is patience. Waiting until an emotion has subsided, letting everything settle, and then maybe watching, paying attention, seeing how things shift and evolve. Right? This can mean patiently accepting life's ups and downs. Ajahn Suchito has this to say patience is holding the heart still in the presence of its suffering until it lets go of the ways in which it creates that suffering. I'll say it again. Holding the heart still in the presence of its suffering until it lets go of the ways in which it creates that suffering. Isn't that beautiful? There's this idea in patience to me also that if we can just abide and watch, we let go. Sometimes that's all that's needed. Okay, onward. Truthfulness. Okay, we know what this word means inherently. So I want to mention two aspects of this here. The part of truthfulness is speaking truthfully, right? This is maybe the more obvious instinct that we might go to when we think of being truthful. So speaking in ways that benefit yourself, benefit others, avoiding the suffering that comes when we're caught in a web of lies and deceptions. We all know about this. Depeche Mode sang to us about this many years ago. Okay, maybe maybe that's an old reference. Um, but there's also something else here. Um, it's also seeing reality clearly. So imagine speaking what you think of as the truth through the lens of delusion, right? We, this is something we all do from time to time. We get caught in a small sense of ourselves, you know, the kind of self that creates a sense of us and them, the self, the self that feels wronged. And, you know, we can tell ourselves these things that feel like truth. But when we're caught in delusion, and we're saying these things, it's not quite truth. So a part of truthfulness is seeing reality clearly, seeing what's actually going on, which often involves stepping outside of that egoic sense of self to do. 
right. Determination. A foundation of the other paramis, just like energy in some ways. Uh, we also mentioned wisdom. So this, this is the determination to engage in actions that end suffering. Right? Loving kindness. This is that benevolence, compassion to all things, compassion to ourselves, right? One reason to practice this is simple. We all want to be loved and be loved. And loving kindness makes us happy, right? So if, if this feels challenging, if accessing loving kindness to ourselves, to others, if this is challenging, it's really worth working on. It opens you to a whole source of a spring of wholesome happiness, right? And it affects those around us too. Really, this is a contagious one. I'll note a couple of things that get in the way. When we're fearful, it's harder to love. When we and others are not forgiven in our hearts, it's harder to love. Become preconditioned with the idea that strength is about hardening or a certain kind of toughness. We're not recognizing that love can be strong and fierce. And on that note, there's a quote. I've, I've read this before, but I love it. It's a Martin Luther King quote. And it is, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering our capacity to endure suffering. We shall match your physical force with soul force, with love. We will not hate you, but we cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws. And we will soon wear you down with our capacity to suffer and with our love. And winning our freedom, we will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win your freedom as well. It's just so powerful, and it speaks to that fierceness and strength of love. Okay, equanimity. This is tied again to generosity and renunciation. It's this holding of everything, this complete openness to all of our experiences, to pain, to love, to appreciation. It's also accepting the impermanence of each experience. We aren't clinging to every positive moment and not running, ruminating on every negative one. We observe it, we wait, we see the next come up, we move to the next. Right? And you can see how a mind with equanimity becomes naturally generous, naturally willing to renounce. We're not clinging to experiences and we naturally release our clinging to possessions and identities. This is a very powerful one. Okay. With these in mind, I just want to give a moment for reflection on these two questions. Stepping back, just looking at these, maybe, maybe not thinking with your, you know, with your thinking mind, but instead kind of feeling into it, having heard a few words and spent a few moments in contemplation on each of the 10 of these. Where are strengths for you? 
Each of these are paths in to the others because they come naturally. Maybe just noting which of these come to mind at first as strengths. Lists of 10 are hard for me, so I, I try anything I can do to, to, to work with them and keep, keep the message simpler. So maybe just pick a couple here. And then, which are challenging? Which, do you, which are you feeling moved to work on? Like I mentioned at the beginning, we don't have to, you know, hit these direct on. We don't have to bang our heads against them. We can just let them in as subtle intentions. We can have a little trust that just by having an intention genuinely, we will begin to work on this. Maybe in ways that can't even be measured, at least initially. All right, I'm going to stop there. Well, thank you for being here and listening to this talk. I wanted to open some time now for us to meet in small groups and just discuss anything that came up. We don't. This doesn't need to be a confessional hour for the things that are hardest and darkest for you, unless you want to go that way. But this is what's come up here for you. What, you know, can you think, if, if nothing jumps to mind that's come up naturally, can you think of situations, here's a prompt, if, if nothing else is coming up, can you think of situations where you could have looked at the list of paramis, you could have looked at these qualities and thought, well, what's needed here? What would help in this situation? And where maybe, maybe that kind of thinking either would have helped you or did help you in actual fact. Before we move into groups and before I assign them as breakouts, I wanted to read a few guidelines for this discussion. When we break into small groups, you'll be in groups of three or four. And the guidelines are uh, to listen with an open heart, right? To note that you don't have to speak. Nobody has to speak if they don't want to. And also to allow each person time to speak. So for those who do wish to speak, make sure everyone gets heard. Don't offer advice or interrupt. Not in this setting. And lastly, to keep any sharing confidential so that it's a safe space within your group. And even as we come into the main group afterwards and we have a wider discussion, to hold anything anyone has said to you in confidence. All right. With that, I'll divide us into groups. I'll give a moment. If anyone doesn't wish to participate in these, in about 15 minutes, we'll come back to the main group and you can rejoin them. Uh, but these can be very valuable. It can really be a, a way of connecting and solidifying what's important to us.
Welcome back. I think maybe all everyone's come back now. So, as as we do, this is the time to uh, to make any comments that you may have uh, on the talk or what's come up for you during the discussion groups. Um, any questions? Anything else like that? And one way to do it, yeah, so Nikhil and Lillian already raised their hand. The main way to do this, um, if you click reactions on the bottom, and you can click raise hand over there, and that lets us know kind of the order in which people raise their hand. And Nikhil and Lin Lillian, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you could uh, reshare the quote that you uh, mentioned about generosity not existing. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I, I, from what I remember from how you had phrased it, that really resonated with me. Um, uh, yes, I'll just curious to hear that one more time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the quote, and this is, uh, this is an Advaita teacher, H.W.L. Punja, reflecting when speaking to James Barras and Sylvia Borstein. And he said, there is no such thing as generosity. There is only the awareness of need and the natural impulse to address it. If you are hungry and your hand puts food in your mouth, you don't think of the hand as generous, do you? Yeah, that resonates with me too. It's, it's, it really, it's, it's delightfully natural to, to imagine that kind of generosity, right? But if yeah, I, I think, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, that's all, go ahead. Um, I think what, um, I think oftentimes it feels like generosity needs to be difficult. And when it's not difficult, it um, doesn't feel like it's generosity. And um, yeah, I think that just, that helps kind of like provide a reminder for like, you know, having that clarity towards where, where is generosity actually and being able to see it more accurately. Thanks. That's a really good point. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way. I sometimes only count something as sort of being worthwhile or, you know, I, I can only pat myself on the back if it was painful. Um, <laughs> and there's a way in which that also is failing to acknowledge some of the things we do that are good that maybe just didn't cost, they just didn't feel like they cost us. And because they didn't feel like they cost us, we don't, we don't fully accept the merit <laughs> of having done that. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for thanks for offering that. Yeah. Wow, what you said, Harv, just then about not accepting the merit because it just was natural. It just occurred to me that maybe that's the perfection process. That when these Parmies become so natural that we don't make a big deal out of it. You know, we just we just responded like with pausing and with patience, or we found our deter. You know, whatever it is, it just that made that connection for me when you just said that. Um, maybe I maybe I understand perfection. Yeah. <laughs> the word um, that it's when it becomes just a part of our daily natural 
being and responding and acting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to chew on that for a bit. Yeah. I thank, you, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for offering that. I, I, I really I, like I that. I like that. I like that too. That's great, Suze. Thanks. Yeah. What if that is perfection? Yeah, an instinct very similar to that came up to me when I was writing about this specific thing that uh, Nikhil brought up. Um, yeah, just this very natural feeling. What? Yeah, it's it's also it's delightful to think that when we get you know the end point of all of this is something that feels just absolutely effortless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll also be sitting with that. Thank you. Yeah, Linda. <laughs> The other thing that comes to mind in the context of that conversation is there's sort of a leveling effect in that concept where it's it 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 takes it puts us all in the same sort of pool and it it, it, it for me it just sort of removes um separation and I really liked the the way that you described um that generosity in that with that concept of we're all here in the same pool. And, and I just feel like that quote, again, it just sort of levels everybody's we, there's just needs. Yeah. There's an awareness of a need and there's a desire to fill that need and you can just take all of the other nonsense out. So I really appreciated that, um, that notion too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Yeah. I like, I, I hear what you're saying about leveling. It's we're all, it's this equality of all of our needs. Right. And sometimes Sometimes my understanding of no self or emptiness is kind of aligned with that too. Like what if like what if we considered the body we inhabit as not at all special for just the fact that we happen to have the perspective of looking through these eyes and tasting through this mouth, you know. But if if we just considered this body as precisely equal in, you know, in its needs and in the way we prioritize it everything else you know what if it's it's a delightful notion yeah I, I like that leveling idea you brought up thank you yeah yeah Jean hi Irv I uh, really appreciated your comment about and I don't think I have the quote just exactly correctly written down, but uh, trust that having an intention will help. Uh, maybe setting an intention. Uh, I know you look at me and you see, oh, he's kind of this old white-haired gentleman who's probably really nice, but in my heart, there's a lot of impatience. Sometimes I struggle with that beyond um, beyond my control at times. Um, so setting an intention, um, seeing that that and trusting that that will help resolve that difficulty, that stress for me is um, really hopeful. And I appreciate hearing that because at this point, that may be all I have is trust. Thank you for that. Thanks, Gene. Trust is a lot to have if that's what you have. It's it's kind of an old-fashioned word, 
maybe. Uh, not something that people dwell on a lot, but mm. meaningful for me. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what a more modern word would be or another way of imagining it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose it's this... Um, you know, it's funny. It came up for me in the context of um, a, a notion from Judaism that we, you know, the work we have to do, there's a word for this, and someone's going to know it here, I'll bet, but it's the idea that the work we have to do in the world is not born by us alone. This idea that, you know, we we do what we can, but we are held up by the efforts of everyone. Someone was describing that to me, and, and there is an analogy to that, to, to what happens, I think, in our own bodies, in our own selves. You know, it's this idea that we, we, don't, we don't have to, our, the part of us that is conscious and aware and can clearly and directly act upon the world is a small part of us, and we don't need to let it be responsible for There are all these other parts of us that are kind of on our team. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I see a, a comment here. Could you let me know where Martin Luther King's quote came from? That's a good question. I wrote this down for another talk a long time ago. I will, yeah, I wonder if I can find that particular one. It, it might be in his letter from the Birmingham jail. That book. Oh, okay, it might be you. that one. I'm going to post it here, and that, that way we can kind of crowdsource this. If someone wants to look it up, it may be, it, it's, it's probably something we can look up. So I posted it to the chat in case that's helpful. Jerry, yeah. Oh, Jerry, you're on mute. Yeah, my comment isn't in response to that, but just something I like Susan and Jean brought up. I think we could add to these parmes. I mean, this idea of trust, faith, uh, forgiveness. I think there's a number of others that could could be swept in and uh, you know, certainly serve us well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I think other traditions too, right? Like, there's a different list in Mahayana Buddhism. That eliminates some and adds concentration, I think. And yeah, I, I hear you. There are probably ones that we can we can make this our own, right? You know, if there's something here that like the word intention often occurs to me. And maybe it's somewhere ar around determination. Um, but the word, the way I think of it is intention and being intentional. Um, so yeah, there are probably ones that we could all add and if this evokes something in you, that's certainly a valid thing to focus on instead of one of the literal words we see here. Yeah. So it's 11.27, so I want to move on. There are a number of announcements uh, that I wanted to make then uh, to move on from there to an offering of metta. So just to honor everyone's time, I'll get on to that. The announcements I had uh, tomorrow, tomorrow evening, is the Refuges and Precepts Ceremony. And I believe that's a hybrid event. 
Yeah, so you could join online or you could actually show up at the University Friends House, University Friends meeting uh, to take part in that. And that will elaborate on the refuges and precepts that Lyndall uh, chanted at the beginning of today. On Tuesday, January 16th, Tim Guile will begin a six-week intro meditation class. And again, it's hybrid, and you can register on the website. And many people who are experienced also take this. I know Suze has taken it a number of times, and I think others have too. Similarly, on Wednesday, January 17th, if Wednesdays work better for you than Tuesdays or Tuesdays than Wednesdays, um, Steve Wilhelm begins a six-week intro course uh, based uh, in, on the east side. Uh, again, it's hybrid, so you could join from wherever and register on the website. On February 10th, uh, there is a retreat on Buddhist meditation and Quaker worship. Right? So this is kind of an unusual event that I think we're doing in, part, in partnership with University Friends Meeting. Uh, that'll be an interesting thing to see. I, I think uh, you can look at more information on the website. But it's looking at uh, what's in common and descriptions of both of these so that those two communities can kind of come together. Uh, on Feb 17th and 18th, this is as far I went into the future, uh, Rodney Smith will be giving a weekend retreat uh, titled All About Boundaries. Yeah. So that's all I had for the upcoming future. Suze, I see you. Are you unmuting? Yep. Yeah. So for those of you who go tomorrow night, but on from your home, if you I'm going to I'm trying to show my protection cord here. Take a bit of yarn and put three knots in it. One for the refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dhamma and refuge in the Sangha. And then you wear it around your wrist, or you could do it, some people do it around the neck. And I use it as, it's called a protection cord. And I actually, it lasts almost the whole year. And there are many times when I'll just kind of rub those three little knots. So um, if you go in person, there will be yarn there. But if you're staying at home, just any of you who... You can do that. That was the only thing Tim asked us to remind people of. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So before I move on to the metta, a word about Dana. Uh, Sims and its teachers freely offering the te- freely offer the teachers uh, the teachings of the Buddha, and that's regardless of anyone's ability to pay. If you're able and wish to support the livelihood of the teachers, or if this aids you in a generosity practice, since we're discussing that this month, you can make it. You can make a donation. You can make the donation either to Sims or to individual teachers. And I'll post a link in the chat. This is the site at which you can donate if you wish. Okay. I'll end with an offering of metta. May our hearts be at ease. May we live with kindness and generosity in the midst of all that arises. May all beings 
live with ease, and live with kindness. May the suffering of this world be met with compassion. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year.